Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Making time to be here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, because I'm anointed to teach your word and your people anointed to receive. And I pray that our faith is built up in the person of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, so we're going to try to wrap up this series today. And um, I think this is really, really important. And um, I want us to spend some time on it and be diligent with it. Okay, so this is the core of this message. We've been looking at the Word of God, the seed of God's Word. And we've been looking about uh, how the Word of God is not productive in the life of certain people. So this, this morning, we're going to look at how the Word of God becomes fruitful or how it becomes productive. So when you look at the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, you would find three categories of soil, okay? The ones by the, the wayside, the thorny ground, those that are um, uh, affected by the cares of this world. And I dealt with that extensively on Wednesday. Make sure you get that. For instance, in Mark chapter 4, verse 4, you find the ones who hear and they get nothing. So it means that you could be coming to service every day of your life and you're not hearing anything. You're just hearing with your ears, but there's nothing getting inside of you. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, we talk about the second set of people that are affected, now this is very important, by external influences, which is persecution and tribulations. That is external. That's very important. I want you to note that. So, the four categories of people, you've got the one that hears nothing, the second one is affected by external circumstances, right? Then the third, which you find in uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 7, is affected by internal influences, which is the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. So it's important to understand that one hears nothing, one is affected by external, which is tribulations, trials, that things that come from the outside in and affects you. Then the third category, what affects the world is from inside, which is the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, anxiety, worries, and all that choke the world. Then in Mark chapter 4 verse 8, we now have the ones that are um, holding fast to the word, which are the ones that produce. Now, the 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 gospels. That's uh, uh, the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are personal narratives and accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus on the earth. Now, I, I want to. Uh, I don't have time to explain that now because I want to focus on what we're saying. But the New Testament is not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is not the New Testament. It is the Gospels. The reason is because a testament cannot start until the testator dies. A will cannot get into effect until the person who wrote that will, you know, dies. The scripture is clear about that. So the New Testament actually started after Jesus shed his blood on the cross. That is why when Jesus healed the lepers, he asked them to go and present themselves to the high priest. Because 
uh, when you were healed, when you had leprosy and all of those skin diseases and all that, they would send you out of the camp because it was under the mosaic, the mosaic law. That's the law of Moses. Now, if you were healed by any means, the priest also had to now certify you that you were good to come back to the community. So you see that um, in the Gospels, it was as if Jesus was a bit subjected to the law. But after his resurrection, then the New Testament came into being. Okay? So, uh, so the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are personal narratives or accounts of the life of Jesus. Now, sometimes, for you to understand a particular subject, it is good to find it from all the Gospels, which is what we're going to do this morning. It's, it's simple, but it's going to help us understand. For instance, there is a way Mark writes. If you read the Gospel of John, for instance, you will find out that John uses the term Son of God, Son of Man a lot, which we don't find in other Gospels. So this was based on the, his relationship with the person of Jesus. Now Luke is a medical doctor, so you find, for instance, in the healing um, accounts of Jesus, Luke was a little bit more detailed than Matthew and Mark. So, um, so why the narrative is that way is like if something happens in church right now and have you ever, has something ever happened and then you heard the story from someone else who told someone else and you were amazed that, come on, that's not what happened. Right? Because with the, with everybody's, um, when everybody sees something, there is a way they interpret it. Okay. So the parables of Jesus, Jesus explained it to the disciples after giving the parables. He says, to you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So there's a way Mark wrote, there's a way Luke wrote, and there's a way that Matthew wrote about the same parable. It's not as if they are different, but it helps us to truly understand it. So we've been studying based on Mark. So today, I want us to go to Mark, Matthew, and Luke on the productive ground. And if we put those three together, we can see the common denominator. We can see the differences. And when we add all of that together, it can tell us what a fruitful ground is. Because the, the, the essence of our Christian work is for us to be a fruitful ground. Like I said... Uh, people, everybody can be in a class. And when the subject is being taught, some people say, well, I don't understand. It's not as if the teacher was bad. It's you that don't understand. You know, some people come out first in the class, some come out third, some come out 19 in the class of 20, some even come out 20. They don't want to disturb anybody, they just stay where they are. You know. <laughs> and uh, it's not the problem of the teacher, it's not the problem of the subject, it's an individual responsibility. That being said, so that's just the background on what we're going to do. So let's go to Mark chapter 4 and verse 20. So Mark chapter 4 and verse 20. Now, I want to point out, we're going to go to Mark and we'll come back to Matthew and then we'll go to Luke and then we'll pick out something. So Mark chapter 4 and verse 20. Remember, we're looking at the productive ground now, right? Are we together? Okay. So Mark says, Mark 4.20, But these are the ones sown on good ground. So he uses the word good ground. Okay. Now, uh, go back to verse 15. It says, And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So, the ground is their hearts. Right? Verse 15 tells us what the ground of verse 20 is. So, we can say, 
We can replace the word ground with heart. So the, the, the word says, but these are the ones sown on good hearts. Right? Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, and some hundredfold. So we're going to do this just to give us um, a quick narrative. So we've got Mark here. So Mark points out two things. Hear the word and accept it. So we can find only two things there. Hear and accept. So these are the two things we find in Mark. To hear and to accept. Now let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And let's look at verse... 23. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 23. Oh, you can say Matthew 13, 23. Okay, but you can just be writing it in your notes to just help. Matthew 13, 23. Okay. Okay, Matthew 13, 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word and understands it. Now, if you look at the case of Mark chapter 4 we read, you see that Mark started with 30, 60, and 100. But if you look at Matthew, Matthew started with 100, 60, and 30. Alright? So it's not saying... You know, you first of all produce 30, you produce 60, and then you go to 100. No, Mark just started with 100, 30, 60. So it's not like it's a sequence. So for instance, you can hear a particular message, and on that message, you're producing a hundredfold. And then you hear something else, because you don't give attention to it, you're producing 60. So it's the, the production or the productivity of the word is not a growth process. It's not, I am receiving 30 now, 60, when I'm 20 years old in the faith, I'll be 100. No, 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 no. It just depends on how much attention you put into the word. So you can get this message and you're producing 100. And the next day you hear something else, you're producing nothing. That's why the Christian faith is constant, is a constant relationship, is a continual relationship. Okay? Now, I want us to note what we have here now from Matthew. What do you find here about the heart? It says, what are the two things you find there about the one that produces fruit? What are the two things? Hears the word and does what? Understands it. Fantastic. So we have got Matthew here. Alright? You hear and you understand. Now this is very key. So you find that the common denominator that starts all of them is the hearing. If this is not perfected, you can't produce fruit with the word. If you don't hear well, you can't produce fruit. That's why we started with, take it to what you hear and how you hear. If the hearing is wrong, you don't expect fruits. The hearing of God's word is the planting of God's word in your heart. If you don't have time to hear the word, you don't expect to be productive. If you're too busy to hear the word, there's no how you're going to grow. You cannot grow on yesterday's hearing. 
If you want to keep growing, you must constantly do what? Hear the word. Okay, so we find out Mark says, hear and accept. Matthew writing his own account says, hear and understand. Okay, so let's see Luke. Luke is a medical doctor. You know, they have a way of always getting things clearer. Let's go to Luke chapter 8 now, I think. Yeah, Luke 8, 15. Is the black more visible? It's more visible? Okay. It's just, uh, Mark, uh, Luke chapter 8 verse 15. Let's just, uh, make sure you get this here. Okay. So, Luke eight fifteen says, But the ones that fell on good ground are the ones who, having heard the word, I'm using the New King James, with a word, with a noble and good heart. Keep it and bear fruit with patience. So, interesting, Luke uses having heard, we can say hearing, then it's specific about the heart. It talks about what? A noble heart. Alright? And a good heart. So you have noble and good. Keep it. So you have keep it. And bears fruit with patience. So you see, fruit with or and patience. So, if we look at the three accounts, we find something common. The first thing that is common in all the accounts is the first step to productivity is to hear the gospel. To hear. If you're too busy to hear, <laughs> there's nothing God can do for you. There's nothing. If you're too busy to hear the gospel, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing. The word is planted in your heart by hearing. So the, the common denominator in all of these three explanations is to hear. So the first thing, if I want to get someone's life to change by the word of God, is to first of all get them to hear. That's why when God wants to alter the situation of a place, what does he do? He sends preachers to do what? To preach the gospel. Fantastic. Now, if we look at these three things, we find accept it to accept the word as a condition. So what we're going to do is for us to identify the characteristics of a good ground, we're going to put all of this together. Alright? If we put what Matthew Luke and uh, Mark wrote, we can be able to say, hey, come on, if you find these things, you'll find a good ground. So we say a good ground or a good heart is the one that hears the word. Everyone agrees on that. Is the one that accepts the word. Right? Right? Hey, come on now. Is the one that accepts the word. Number two, a good heart is the one that understands the word. Right? Number three, a good heart is the one that studies the word with a noble intention. And we're going to trace that in scriptures. Then number four, a good ground is the one that keeps it. Number five, a good ground is the one that bears fruit with patience. Why, why is it bearing fruit with patience? Because you will need time to be tried. If you are a hard ground or if you are a ground with tongues. 
So for instance, you need time for Satan to come try to steal the word. You will need time for tribulations to come try. try. So for instance, you can't just say, well, I've heard this message now. Man, I'm a good ground. I'm producing hundredfold. And you haven't gone through any tribulation. We might not be able to know if you are a good ground until you go through some tests. Because if I'm going through my test and I'm falling out, you look at me like, man, that guy is not a good ground. When you want to talk about good ground, look at us. And then you're not going through anything. It's easy for you to be a good ground when you don't have tribulations. It's easy for you. It's easy for us to be good grounds. But when trials begin to come because of the word, then we want to check, is this guy really as good in his heart? So, there is patience in productivity. You cannot be productive with the word of God if you're not patient. Now, I want us to, to trace this a bit. What does it mean to have a noble and a good heart? Let's look at a place where this word is used in scriptures. Let's go to Acts chapter 17 verse 11. Acts 17 verse 11. You'll find it there. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. The Bible says that these were more fair-minded. But if you use the, use the King James Version, and see it there. Use the King James Version. They, these were more noble. So we find the use of that word there, noble. So noble is not just saying, this guy is, a, is an honorable person or a person with some good virtues. When the Bible talks about noble, there is an attitude that defines that. And it's going to give us that attitude now. It says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. So, if you, if you say, um, if you say, these were more noble than those in this region, it means that what Paul was doing right here was also comparing the soil. Was comparing the grounds, right? Hello? It was comparing the grounds. He was saying that the guys here, the ground looks more fruitful than the guys in Thessalonica. <laughs> I wonder if the guys in Thessalonica were reading this now. They'll get offended at Paul. <laughs> How can you say that? But you know, as a preacher, you go to some congregation to teach and they are so hungry for the word. They just are receiving. They are writing. They are like, wow. And what happens is a preacher can flow in more revelations of the word if the congregation is receptive. So, you to a large extent can determine how far the teaching ministry is effective in this local house by the way you receive the word. Have you ever... Have you been talking with someone and it looks like, wow, time, t- time doesn't mean anything. Just passing. Because they are listening. They are, you know, they are, but have you been talking to someone and he's looking at when is it going to close? When is it going to close? This one that he brought, bought this morning. I don't understand. We came to church. We didn't come to school. If I want to go to school, I know where I'll go. You know what's go- that's going to happen? It's going to stop the flow of the revelation. And that's what Paul says. He said, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received. Now, received can also be replaced with accept. So we can say we're talking about grounds here, right? We're talking about grounds here. 
they received the word. Of course, you cannot receive a word you have not heard. So that means they have heard. And as they were hearing the word, what happens? They, they received it. So, it means that you can also be in a position where you don't receive the word. Alright? Come on, are we together? And if you don't receive it, can you be productive? No. Yeah. So, you know, if you play soccer, right? You follow football. You know that if you are playing football and maybe there are three people of the same team on a particular area, maybe like a triangle, there is a position. Sometimes they say, oh, run so that they can give you the pass. What they are actually saying is put yourself in a receiving position. Because if you hide behind the opponent, there is no way they can pass to you. So it's the same way when we come to the meeting where the word of God is being taught, we have to put our hearts in our position to receive the word that's being taught. Now it says, in that they receive the word with all readiness of mind. I want you to underline that if you, if it's your Bible. All readiness of mind. I want us to spend some time on that. All readiness of mind, all readiness of mind defines what a noble ground is. Remember what we're trying to define. We're not trying to say, what's a noble ground? Let's go to the dictionary. Let the dictionary tell us what a noble ground is. No, the dictionary can't tell us what a noble ground is. The word, the scriptures has to interpret scripture. So we're looking at what a noble ground is from the word. It says they are the people who receive the word with all readiness of mind. Now, now, all readiness of mind means that you can also get the word of God without getting your mind ready. Have you ever heard someone talking to you and you're just like, this guy, I don't have his time, but keep talking. What's happening? What's happening right there? You switched off your mind. Your mind is not ready. Am I right? Yeah. They can be talking and you can even be shaking your head. And while you're shaking your head, you say, you don't know you're a fool. <laughs> and the guy is just saying, you understand? He said, yes. No, your mind is not ready. What's your mind? Your mind is made up of your will, your soul, your intellect, your emotions. It means that you have to put all these things together and be ready to receive the word when the word of God is being taught. So when Paul was teaching, the guys in Berea came together and they were like, Wow, Paul, we, we have been waiting all this time. So they had their notes, they had their notepad, they had their Bible open. They are like, just teach on. We are ready to receive the word. And Paul's um, Luke says, this is a noble ground. This is a good heart. This is a good place to sow the, the word of God. You know, sometimes the Pharisees came to Jesus to listen to him while he was teaching so that they might find questions to ask him. You know people listen to that? People do that? Do you know people do that? I've been in a meeting, was it last year? No, two years ago, myself and my dad in South Africa were preaching in a, in a, in a church. And at the end of the day, a man came to us and said, when I heard you guys were from Nigeria, I came prepared to hear what you were saying so I can ask you questions. But thank God for the ministry of the word that he was properly taught. 
So people come. He didn't come to receive from us. He came to find out whatever we're teaching that was wrong. So he can, you know, so I mean, I'm telling you two years ago now. This is not Bible. It's two years ago. You can even be in a church and your heart is not ready to receive from the pastor. You can't be here and your heart is not ready. And the word is not productive. There's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing I can do about the productivity of God's word in your heart and in your life. Absolutely nothing. I can only pray for you and teach you the word, but it's up to you. Paul says we do not have dominion over your faith. You know, sometimes people come to me, oh, a member from your church did this. Oh, well, I might be disappointed, but really, there's nothing I can do. We are not in a cult. You know, <laughs> I mean, we are not in a cult. If you decide you are not coming to church again, there's nothing I can do. Can I put chain in your hand and say, once a member, forever a member, you never walk alone, we are together? <laughs> I can't say that. And that's why it's tricky in this, in this walk of faith. In that, as a sower, I have to cast the seed. I have to make sure that the seed I'm sowing into your heart is a healthy seed. Is, is Christ-centered doctrine. Whatever you do with it is between you and God. It's between you and God. So you'll find out as we progress, if we have time, all Paul did for those he preached to was to pray a specific prayer. What was that prayer? That the eyes of the understanding might be enlightened that they may know. All Paul's prayers for the church was a prayer of knowledge and awareness. That's the pastor's responsibility for your life. Okay. So, they receive with all readiness of mind. So, your mind is involved. This is where I want to go to now. People just say, well, my spirit is listening. Ah, I'm listening in my spirit. My spirit is growing. I'm receiving it in my inside. Is Rema? No, 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 no. Your mind is involved. Your mind. You can't tell me that you're listening to a message and uh, you're busy with your phone. Uh, you're not listening. He says it's just entering. No, it's not entering. It's not. Your mind is involved. So your mind is involved in acceptance, understanding, in keeping and in bearing fruit. How do we know the mind is involved? It goes on to say, and searched the scriptures. You cannot search the scriptures with your spirit. Hey, hello? Are we together? So what happened is this. And now, if you are, if I'm teaching right now, and probably you're not taking notes, you're not writing anything down, you're just listening. When you go back home, what do you search with? What are you going to search the scriptures with? I remember, uh, what was he saying again? Yeah? So it means that the man who wants to bear fruits is going to be diligent with this thing. They were not pastors searching the scriptures to preach. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, because sometimes there's a way you even study the word. People say, ah, what is it? Are you a man of God? You know, there's a way people make us feel like if we get too serious with God, then we have to be pastors. You will even hear people say, ah, I'm not a pastor. You people that are the pastors. And they're happy about it. You ask somebody, how many translations of the Bible do you have? Ah, it's just one. Ah, it's you people, emojis like you that need five. If you meet a Berean Christian and you talk to him like that, he will not, he will feel sorry for you. Because he doesn't understand what you're saying. This was Paul preaching. And he says, they set the scripture, how many times? How many times? 
It means that a fruitful ground has a daily Bible, listen, study culture, not reading. Bible reading is hearing the word. Bible study is accepting the word with all readiness for fruitfulness. So what that means is this. We've spent three weeks on this subject. You go back to your notes. That's why you should have notes. That's why you should have notes. That's why you should have way of documenting. Personal Bible study, whatever you've been taught. You go back to your notes. You go through the scriptures again. You read the scriptures. You meditate. And what you begin to see is that God will begin to give you personal revelations on how this word becomes productive in your life. Sometimes you now find out that God begins to show you this thing is because of the word. That is because of this. This is because of this. And that's how you grow in your Christian faith. And that's how to make your heart a good ground. Searching the scriptures. Searching the scripture does not mean using morning devotions. Oh, I use our daily bread. Oh, I use Rhapsody of Reality. Oh, I use this. The question I used to ask people is, those who wrote these daily devotionals were using daily devotionals. Would they have enough substance to write something for you? You can start that when you grow up in your early days. But there should be days you're able to sit down and just go through the book of Ephesians. How many chapters? Just go through it. You're looking at words. You're writing down. You're, you're scribbling. You're understanding. You're, don't put your Christian life on, uh, on a, how do I put it now? On autopilot. I'll explain something to you about life. This is a bit difficult. It, and it can be a bit controversial. But let me explain something to you. The Bible says that God's reign falls on the just and the unjust. Right? You see, let me tell you something. You can be protected in this life and live up to 90 and 100 years. Not because you're a good person. Because God just has mercy on you. You can do well in business. Not because you are righteous. That's, that's where in Christianity we began to miss the trail. We began to miss the trail when we began to tell people that if you come to God, this is going to happen to you. If you come to God, this is going to happen to you. So everybody just came to God. Oh, if I start serving God, you know, I will not die on time. If I start serving God, I'll have children. Don't Muslims have children? Come on, let's, let's talk now. Don't Muslims have children? Don't they have businesses? The richest man in Nigeria, I mean, from whatever we know, is a Muslim. Is God keeping him? God is keeping him. <laughs> That's the truth. It's the same rain that falls on the just and the unjust. God is God over the whole of creation. But he is father to his children. Do you get what I'm saying? He's God to everyone. They might not be worshipping him the way he has said they should worship him. Because salvation is only in Christ Jesus. But I want you to get somewhere. I want you to see somewhere that the goal of our Christian faith is not just if we are protected, if we are saved, if we have children, if we have increased. No. The goal of the faith is that we grow in the knowledge of the person of Christ. If not, these same things we are using to promote how good our church is, is the same things that even people who don't know God have access to and even more. Will God give us those things? Absolutely. I mean, it's not even a bother to Him. But they are not the essence of the faith. 
It's important. They are not the essence of the faith. How do I know? 2 Corinthians chapter 8 talks about the Macedonian Christian. It says, out of their deep poverty, they were begging Paul to give. Guys were Paul. But they were like, no, we want to be part of the gospel. I remember what led Paul to preach in Macedonia. What led him to preach in Macedonia? A night vision. The guys were so hungry for, I mean, oh, those guys. The Macedonian Christians were so hungry for God, so hungry for God, that Paul wanted to go to Bithynia, Paul wanted to go to other places. God says, don't go, don't go, don't go. In the night, they, he had a vision. Come over to Macedonia. What happened was that their hunger for God's word was so strong that he got up to God and God had to send Paul to them. It's like they were crying, we want to know this God. We, we want, and by the time they got a hold of the gospel, and Paul was going to other places to preach. Out of their deep poverty, they said, no, 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 no. This gospel we have heard, other people must say, hey. And the Amplified Version says, the grace of God arose, aroused in them a desire to give. And they were begging Paul to give an offering. So if you meet a believer who is constantly flaunting his poverty before you, you disorder that that's a believer who has not received the gospel. When you begin to hear the word of God and meditate on the word of God, it will change your internal image of yourself. If you constantly hear believers say, you know, we poor people, we the poor people of this community, we the poor people of Nigeria, or something, something. Even though literally, there might be, Paul calls it, deep poverty, Second Corinthians chapter 8. But there will be something in your heart that is liberal. Are you fine? Do you understand what I'm saying? There was something in your heart that stirs up liberality. Why? Because the seed of God's word is at work in you. And even though temporarily there are treasures all around you, the word is beginning to produce fruit. So we see a good ground, a noble heart, is the one that goes into the word with all readiness. Now, the heart is important because, uh, put up Ezekiel 36, 26 for me. Ezekiel 36.26 for me. Ezekiel 36.26. It talks about taking out the heart of stone and replacing it. Look at this. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. That is a um, Check if there's any simpler translation there. But what he was trying to say is at the new birth, this is what happens. When you become born again, what God changes is your heart. It makes your heart soft. It's no longer hardened. And I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. A heart that is soft. That is easy to get the word. That's open to the word. So we find out that if we want our heart to be productive, the first thing is we've got to hear the word. We have to accept the word. I'll link that up in Colossians when we start talking about the saints in Thessalonica. Um, accept the word, then we have to understand the word. It's important that we, we, we seek understanding. That's why Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. When you understand some things about Christ, regardless of what you go through, it will not change your experience. Uh, next month, we're going to be studying the issue of generational curses. Is it a myth? Is it a fiction? Is it a Fact or is it true? Because you know people say, well, I know I'm born again. But, but, if you want to really face the matter, the way the matter is. 
What's going on now? What's going on? They are trying to make their experience interpret the word of God. Your experience doesn't have to validate the word of God. It's the word of God that either validates or invalidates your experience. It's not a subjective truth. It's not like it works this way for someone, it works this way for another person. You know, that's the concept of God we have, that God is unpredictable. You know, you don't know what God wants to do. Sometimes God will just behave like this. Other times He will behave like that. Oh, who is God that we should know Him? No? That's not what the Word of God tells us. No, 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 that's not what the Word of God tells us. In Hebrews chapter 1, He says that hundred times God spoke through the prophets, but now He's speaking expressly through His Son, who is His image, His exact representation. In the person of Jesus... We know who God is. We're not ignorant. I don't know. Ah, you know, his ways are, what did they say now? Mysterious to perfect. What did they say about that now? Ways are past finding out. He's mysterious. God just hides himself. No. No. If, if, a, if a child comes to you, right? Imagine you hear your child talking to another child in school. And he says, well, tell us about your father. I say, man. <sighs> My father. Is mysterious. Like real Mysterio. Ah, you can't understand him. Is your father going to pick you from school? Ha, ah, you can't tell. He can just show up. He can decide not to show up. He's a mysterious father. <laughs> will your father pay your school fees? Who can, who can tell who will pay school fees? Who am I to tell? If my father will pay my school fees, those matters are beyond me. It is in his hands. <laughs> come on. Eh? Oh, you're not feeling well. Is your father going to come and take you from school? No! Maybe he's teaching me a lesson. We heard people say that God is teaching you a lesson by putting sickness on your body. So tell us more about your father. Who am I to talk about my father? I'm ordinary clay. <laughs> you will be ashamed. I mean, we have, we, some of us are fathers here. Let's be honest. You know, if they give our children essays, check my time. If they give our children essays to write about us and their mothers, let's be honest. The fathers in this house, who do you think your children will write more about? The mothers. Do you know why? You know why. <laughs> they spend more time with them. Do you understand what I say? You know, sometimes you have to train your children. You know, uh, one of my brothers was telling us that uh, he came to the house one day and he was telling his children, don't do this. They now told him that, uh, yes, okay, you can do this now. He said, no. Mommy told us not to do it. He, he, he had to now explain to them that, listen, me and mommy, we are poor. <laughs> do you understand? Because the more they spend time with the children, the more the children know them. The reason you are saying God is mysterious is you don't study Him. You don't know Him. He's not. You can absolutely predict what God's going to do. The magnitude you might not be able to, the method you might not be able to, but God is faithful. You know He will come for you. You know He would heal you. You know He will provide for you. We're not serving a God. And, and because of that, oh, this is taking me away from what I'm teaching. But because of that, we have taught people things that 
that look like magic. You hear words like, if prayer does not work, try praise. There's nobody who prays God and God turn his back. Because we grew up in this Yoruba, kingly, traditional title where we have to appease our kings with praise makers. So you now see church say, 72 hours of praise. Let's, let's get to heaven and see if God will tell us no. What do you want 120 hours of praise? For what? And then I say, if you have tried prayer, if you have tried praise, then offer your Isaac. Offer your Isaac. Isaac's sacrifice. It will turn things around. You know, sometimes, eh, because God doesn't want to disappoint your small faith, when you do those things, you just get the answers. In your ignorance, you won't allow that people rest. When I offered the Isaac sacrifice, last convention, this happened. Okay. Have you not been offering? Why is it not happening for you? I mean, some of you honestly have given up on giving on God because the things are not working. But do I, can I tell you what, what, what happens? How many people did God ask Isaac from in the Bible? How many? How many? If God asks you to give your car, it doesn't mean that giving your car is a key to something. It's your relationship with God. That's where we make the mistake. Can God ask you to give your monthly salary? Absolutely. Does it become a doctrine? No. Can God tell you to give somebody something? So the point is this. What God, God is not mass producing Christians. This is not a factory thing. Isaac sacrifice, bam, go. Isaac sacrifice, bam, go. Isaac sacrifice, bam, go. Where's your own? You have gone. Go back to the line. Come back. Yeah, Isaac, bam. <laughs> That's not what God is doing. What God is doing is this. What God is doing is this. He's saying, Liz, I have a relationship with you. In this area of your life, this is what I want to work on. What God might be working with you in, in your own season might not be what God is dealing with me about. Sometimes God is even dealing with me with being too extravagant and He's saying, keep some cash. Say some things because I have something I want to do in your life. And in your own life, you say, come on. There's covetousness working in you. You've got to release. So that's why, I must say this. That's why I am very weary of testimonies. Because sometimes we don't understand the background behind God's dealing with people. And if we're not careful, we make them methods. But if we have a good ground, if we have a good heart... And we are searching the scriptures. You know what's going to happen? God will begin to give you personal instructions. There's nothing as amazing. I mean, I'll tell you for a pastor, there's nothing as amazing as when people walk up to me and say, God said I should do this. Oh, God said I should give this. Absolutely wonderful. It shows that you're hearing God and not just hearing me. And if somebody says, well, pastor, this thing you're you saying is true. For 10 years now, God has not told me to do anything. You just know that you're not part of us. <laughs> Because if you have a son in the house that you don't send on errand, you know there are children like that. They just say, say, "Don't worry, just leave him." They have let, God has left you to your own whatever you want to do. It's it's a joy to participate in whatever the Father is doing. Amen. Okay. So so where are we now? Let's go to 
Colossians 1.10 and then we read 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I've got a couple of minutes. I'll just study this. Then we have to do James chapter 1. Okay. Uh, Colossians 1.10. Did you get anything from that? Okay. Colossians 1.10. Making your heart fruitful. Making your heart fruitful. Getting into the word. Colossians 1.10. Thank you. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So increasing in the knowledge of God is something that aids your fruitfulness. Now let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Put that up for me quickly. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 and I think I will wrap up in James. Put 1 Thessalonians 2.13 for me. Thank you. For this reason, we also thank God without season. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So, when you believe the word, it is effectively working in you. But the word again has to be received. Every time you see the word, you see received. You see the word, you see received. And then when you believe it, what happens? It effectively works in you. Let's go to James chapter... If you read Philippians 1.11, you can write that down. It talks about being filled with the fruits of righteousness by Jesus Christ. But let's go to James chapter 1. I want to... Summarize something there. James chapter 1. And we're going to look at... Um, let's start reading probably from verse 20. James chapter 1 and verse 20. Uh, okay, let's read from verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow wickedness. That laying aside is like trying to clear the ground so the word of God can come in. And receive with meekness. You see the word again? I told you anytime you see God's word, what's the next thing you see? Receive. You always find those two going together. The word receive. The word receive. Receive with meekness. The implanted word, which is able to save your souls. What is, how do we receive the word with meekness? That's very important. We receive the word with meekness by allowing the word to correct us. So, a teaching is going on. Don't say, oh, I wish my wife was in church today. Where did this woman travel? Why did this woman travel? That's not receiving the word with meekness. That's not receiving the word with meekness. God's word is talking to you, not your wife who is not here. Not your husband who is not here. Or I say, let's turn to James chapter 1 and you start quoting. No, calm down. You must be humble to receive the word. Humility here means that you open your heart to adjustments. Uh, Hey, I need to make an adjustment here. You don't give an excuse. Oh, well, it's because of this. Why don't you have time to study the word? Ah, if you have my kind of job, you will understand. No, I wouldn't understand. God's word says, spend time in the word. Make the adjustment. Walk in love. Ah, if you know what people have done to me, to me, to me, pastor, to me. <laughs> no. That's not receiving the word with meekness. That's receiving it with pride. That's saying to God that he, you will not be able to do what he said you should do. When we hear the word, we say, yes, Lord. We yours to obey. We will do this. The grace has been given to us. Praise the name of the Lord. So he says, which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word. Not hearers only deceiving yourself. This is funny. It means hearers only deceive themselves. 
Why? Because they never progress to the state of accepting, understanding, keeping the word and bearing fruit. They never get their heart here. They just keep hearing. Have you heard people boast of messages? You know we used to do that in those days. Say, wow, well, we used to call ourselves word men. You know, we are word men. We say, ah, Kennedy again. Ah, I have 100 of his messages. This one, ah, I have 50. This one, I have 2 million. And you look at the person who is saying he has 100 messages. It doesn't look as if he even has one. He's just a hearer. He's just a hearer. The Bible says when you are just a hearer, you deceive yourself. Now, this is the way I, I, I see here. All of us are here right now. Have you, ever heard, have you ever heard someone or you met someone that you were expecting so much from and they perform below standard and you say, oh, this person disappointed me. Right? It happens a lot in the soccer world. They buy a player for 100 million. He cost you the match. <laughs> you know? It's the same thing. Everybody's in church. And the brother comes up to you and says, Oh, you know, this this job I want to do. And, and you feel, wow, this person I've been hearing Pastor Max for the past five, five years. He should be the bishop over the region. And you give the guy some cash to do business for you. And then the guy takes off. And then you come to my office. You know, after people have done business deals that didn't work out, that's when they now see Pastor. Man of God, I want to see you. You know, you keep talking about this love thing. If a brother say, a brother should help a brother, and a brother is a brother wicked, if you have made some millions from there, I won't know. You know, you always bring us to put the fire. But then, you will expect that this person hearing the word will be a matured Christian. But unfortunately, a hearer only deceives himself. So I can't tell how fruitful the word of God will be in your heart because you are listening to me every day. Yeah? The only way I can tell is when I start seeing fruits. It's the fruits that tells me you have heard, you have accepted, you have understood, you have a noble heart, you have kept it, and you have been patient. So you cannot judge a person because they show up in church. Some of the most hypocritical people you ever meet in your life, they don't miss services. So what am I looking for in your life? Fruits. But is attendance important? Yes, because it is in attendance we saw the word. But in judging, it's what? The fruits. Because the fruits shows that the word has gone through the process. Now, let's read on now. It says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. How many of you have gotten dressed from the house and you got to church or got somewhere and somebody was helping you to adjust something in your hair or your face and all that. But you just saw yourself in the house. But you have forgotten how you look like. You know some people get into photographs and when the, when the guy prints out the picture, they're looking at it. Ah, why is this picture like this? You know, camera never lies. Whatever you are, it will reproduce for you. I know some of you seeing your face for the first time in a group picture. Now say, ah no, the group picture is not fine. No, 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 no. It's not that the group picture is not fine. You might be the one inside. So <laughs> ah no, there's no need for a group picture. No, there is need. <laughs> there is need. But when you look at yourself, you find out, ah, no, this is not what, if I have to create myself again, no way, I'll add some inches. God didn't do a good job. So you look at yourself and you quickly forget. That's why 
The Bible is called the perfect law of liberty. What do we do at the, with the word of God? We constantly look at it daily. In looking at the word, the beautiful thing is this. If we look at the word, we don't see our weaknesses. If we look at the word, we don't see our sins. If we look at the word, what do we see? We see who we are in Christ Jesus. We keep beholding. And the scripture says, if we constantly behold as in a mirror the word of God, what's going to happen? We are going to be transformed, metamorphosed into that same image as by the Spirit of the Lord. All you need to do is keep your gaze on the word and the word does the work of transformation. If I can get you to sit on the word and meditate on the word and study the word, you can change anything in your life. Habits, whatever, you can. If you pay attention to the word, you can get healed of any sickness. If you pay attention to the word, you can get delivered from every affliction. If you pay attention to the word, but you have to do it daily. Verse 25. But he will look into the perfect law of liberty. Look at this word. Continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer. How do you not become a forgetful hearer? By doing like the Berean Christians. Studying the word daily. If not, you forget. You know sometimes I've learned that a lot. People come to me. Man of God, your message blessed me. I say, which one? Say one of them like that. That you were talking about about uh, ah, that message is powerful. That message is powerful. I'm patiently waiting. Which of them? Because you know sometimes those things make preachers feel very. Your message blessed me. Ah, it's not me. It's Jesus. I'm the one preaching. And they can't remember the message that blessed them. Forgetful hearers. See, but that day you preached it. Let's not even go into details. That day you preached it. It was as if Jesus was speaking to me. Sir, which of the messages? Can't even remember. What's happening? It's a forgetful hearer. Have you sent your son on an errand to bring spoon for you? And because he was watching cartoon, he brought earbud. My boy does that a lot. When he said, go and bring spoon for me, he's going this way. His heart is not in, your, in the world you have sown. Not a good heart. He picks earbud. It's coming for you. I, guess, uh, I said spoon. Oh! Then, at that time, he has received the message. Then he go get spoon. Meaning that he heard before, but he didn't accept it. Why didn't he accept it? Not because he didn't want to accept it. This is why I gave that example. Something else was filling his heart. So if something else fills your heart, the word of God will have no space there. Are you following this? So he says, and he's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. The work. The work. What's the work? Obedience and believing the word. This one will be blessed in what he does. Praise the name of the Lord. If you go to John chapter 15, verse 4 to 5, verse, verse 3, go study that. It talks about abiding in the vine. That if you abide in Him, you will bear much fruits. Saints, this message right here is the key to fruitful Christianity. If you're too busy for the Word, you're too busy for God. You're getting too busy. 
If you're too busy to plant the word of God in your heart, you're getting too busy. You're too busy to be in meetings, you're getting too busy. You're too busy to spend time in the word, you're getting too busy. And when the word is being taught, position yourself with all readiness of mind. Listen to me, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this. Never assume that you have grown spiritually. Don't ever assume that. Don't assume that. Galatians chapter 6, Paul says, when a brother falls, he says, restore such a one with, with the spirit of meekness and humility, lest you yourself be tempted. Never assume a state of spiritual macho. Like we are there. We are the superman in Christ. No, don't do that. Stay humble. When it comes to the word of God, stay small in your own eyes. Are you following what I'm saying? Stay small in your own eyes. Even as a minister of the gospel, when I go for meetings, I sit down and I take notes and I'm learning and I'm learning and I'm learning. As I was getting ready for this message just earlier this morning about 3 a.m., I said to my wife, I said, I wish I can study more. I wish I can study more. In my heart, I'm like, wow. I mean, I really want to study more. I really want to learn more. I really want to be able to get into the word more. I wish I can just spend all my days just on the word, learning the word, reading the word. Make your heart a fruitful ground. Make a decision this morning that my heart is going to be fruitful. Then I'm going to receive the word with meekness. I'm going to constantly look at the perfect law of liberty. and It's going to change everything about me. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.